Hey everybody, it's Michael Mori with Real Perspective. I'm editing this discussion of The Mandalorian, which we split into two parts. The first part will revolve around the first couple of episodes of the season, and then the second part will revolve around the second couple of episodes of the season. We did this because there was just so much content to go over that it didn't make a lot of sense to confine it to one short episode. Additionally, this discussion was recorded a while back before the firing of Gina Carano. So whatever discussion we have about her is going to age like milk. But better to go and present it honestly as it was presented back then. And if you want to get into the controversy, there's a million YouTube channels, I'm sure, out there that can cover it. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode and look forward to the next. everybody it's michael moray uh with real perspective i'm leading this episode of the podcast so it's me and i'm also joined by mj smith and missy lonsinger and we're here to go and talk about the second season of the mandalorian uh which is produced and sometimes written and sometimes directed by john favreau and dave filani came out over the course of november through december 2020 and continues the adventures of Din, I don't know what his last name is, <laughs> the guy who uh, we all refer to as the Mandalorian or Mando, um, and his protection of the baby Yoda slash the child slash Grogu um, as the Mandalorian attempts to um, send the baby Yoda to who I will refer to as the baby Yoda um, to a <laughs> Jedi to be protected slash trained. It's an eight episode season came out one episode a week. So rather than your typical Netflix uh, binge watch, you had to wait every single week. And uh, basically it's just more adventures in the star Wars universe with kind of a Western or samurai kind of twist. And um, I figured that the best way to probably structure this episode is Originally, I was thinking maybe go episode by episode, but I would say that wouldn't be productive, at least for the first couple. So maybe just kind of run through the first four episodes or so, and um, I'll provide some refreshers for those of us who um, don't remember everything. But um, <laughs> the first episode was the Mandalorian went to Tatooine, got involved in fighting a crate dragon, which is basically a dune sandworm creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, kind of had some interesting stuff going on in it in terms of uh, the aspect ratio went and changed to like IMAX format at one point, which is kind of neat. And uh, also involved Boba Fett's armor showing up, among other things, and kind of just fleshed out some of the new cast people who might show up in future Star Wars adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you guys go and think about, uh, in particular, the first episode of the season? Uh, MJ, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Um, I liked John Leguizamo. Uh, mm. I think yeah. he's got a cool voice for Star Wars. Um, I was very excited to learn that he was actually going to be in a Star Wars. I didn't love this episode. It was a little 
too on the nose with the Western stuff, particularly with Timothy Oliphant. That was mm. my big thing is I was like, really? Like, we're really going to do like this cowboy shit, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're going all in on it. Um, so I, it was a little bit of a rocky start to the to the season for me, actually. Huh. I um, I agree and disagree. It, it felt very similar to so many other episodes that we saw in season one. In which case, I think it was actually kind of a good transition to get us into season two, which I think kind of departed more from that Western feel and got a little bit more into a Star Warsy feel. Um, so I didn't fully mind it, but it did feel like a lot of other things we'd seen where it's like Mando and the baby travel to this town and they're going to help these villagers do this thing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do love Timothy Oliphant, I've got to say. Um, I really enjoyed him. I laughed out loud when he came on to the set in the Boba Fett uh, armor because he looked so like lanky and tall and small <laughs> yeah, out of place. It, it, it looked like when a little, like when a little girl puts on her mom's heels and tries to walk around and she's just so small on them. And I was like, Oh, he's so cute. Um, <laughs> but as, as a really big fan of Knights of the Old Republic, especially in crate dragons were in that, I was like, Oh, I recognize that. And so I, I really like the, the kind of I mean they're not really subtle but like the the infusion um especially in this season and starting with this this first episode of things within you know the outer universe within the original trilogy and they don't try to like ham fist it in and give you like a giant wink and a nod and be like hey recognize this it's just like it was cool that they put it in there um I liked seeing more of the sand people as people and not just as like these random weird uh possibly racist like like, creatures that live out in the desert so I don't know I I, I understand your uh, kind of frustrations with it, MJ, but I kind of liked it. I, it was a nice, like, uh, reacclimation with this series for me, so I, I kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, I would kind of echo, actually, both of your thoughts on this. Um, it was probably the most like a season one episode, and yeah. uh, it kind of was, like, what was it, the second or third episode where Mando had to kind of go into a cave and fight, like, a monster and that kind of stuff again, but just kind of done in a bigger scope um, than previously. But it kind of, to me, demonstrated that maybe they had learned some things from season one in terms of recognizing that Mando is an interesting-ish character, but he's also kind of a blank man-with-no-name-style slate character. Mm -hmm. And uh, recognizing that he needs someone to bounce off of which is a difference from like the episode where he had to go go and fight that one like monster in the cave in the first season. So this one, he he was given somebody to bounce off of in the form of the Marshal or Timothy Oliphant. And I thought that maybe that was a sign that they were kind of learning some lessons from before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I probably enjoyed it more than MJ did. It's probably not like a classic episode by any means, but in terms of being someone who likes Star Wars generally, uh, it was kind of cool to see different aspects of what you were saying, Missy, the sand people. They weren't just like all monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it felt like it was a pretty good facsimile of a Western episode. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it overall, but it, it kind of began a string of what I would consider monster of the week type episodes sure. um, that be, kind of became a little repetitive uh, in the first half of the season, which kind of brings us to the second episode, which was the ice spider kind of episode. Um, this one was, I think, visually really interesting. And there was kind of a good dogfight chase in the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, then it becomes about the spiders and 
the frog lady and protecting these <laughs> eggs. Um, and so basically the, the gist of the episode is that Mando has to go and protect the frog lady who's carrying a bunch of eggs to some location while he's on his trip to find the Jedi Master. And they end up crash landing on a planet that's full of ice spiders. Uh, what did you guys think of this episode? Uh, it's... I feel like I get arguments against it, but I kind of have a soft spot for it. It's got a cool yeah. rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. I like that it kind of, I like the kind of minimalist feel it has. Like it's it's almost like a bottle episode. Like once they're on the ice spider planet, they're kind of just there. It reminded me of um, them being in the, in the asteroid in mm. uh, oh, yeah, Empire sure. Strikes Back. Yeah. Um, so it was like a fun play on that. Like where we, it was just that scene. Mm-hmm you know, playing out. Um, and I like that. I liked the ice spider stuff when it popped off. Um, mm-hmm. It was a cool release of tension and it was gross. And I liked that. <laughs> like it felt kind of, uh, it felt kind of like arachnophobia in some parts. Like there's a, a mm-hmm. part where the ice spider jumps at him and he like grabs it and squishes it in his bare hand. Yeah. And it was just kind of like gooey. And like, I liked all that kind of stuff that it was kind of playful mm-hmm. in that. And I liked uh, we'll get more into it, but I liked the two episode arc that this kicked off with the frog lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Missy. Um, yeah, no, I, I liked this one. Uh, I, especially having watched now the, the documentary about the making of it, I didn't realize that the spider creatures were like originally supposed to be, I think an empire. And then yeah. they kind of, yeah, no, it was super cool. They talked about how there's apparently like this guy designed a bunch of creatures that just never, uh, Ralph McQuarrie, the original trilogy. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, and so the, the spider creatures are one, and they were saying, you know, it kind of looks like they'd be on an ice planet, but we don't want it to be like Hoth, so this will be its own thing. Um, so I, I, I appreciated kind of the detail that went into out into that. Um, I liked the frog lady. I thought she was cute. I was a little, okay, I was a little horrified whenever Baby Yoda be slurping up those eggs. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the first, like, big controversy around this show right? that I recall is people were really bothered by it. I mean, I was actually bothered by it, too, quite a bit. Uh, right. Kind of removed some of the precociousness of Baby Yoda. Sure. <laughs> like, it wasn't cute. I was like, this is horrifying. I was, well, and, like, I, I remember seeing, um, like, I think Babylon B did, like, a, a mock article. Well, obviously, that's all they do is mock articles. They did, a, like, a mock article where it's, like, um, like liberals are outraged that these, like, unborn baby frog people are being surfed up. They don't care about human <laughs> babies. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, I, I also like the frog lady. Um, again, watching that documentary, apparently that's the same actress who played Nick Nolte's little character. So she's, yeah. like, a little short actress. Yeah. So, that's you know, she she did great. And I think... Um, Kind of like with with Mando, uh, the it reminds me a lot of within theater, like the Commedia dell'arte form, where it's like you're covered in a mask, so you're not really relying on what Americans mostly rely on for acting, which is our faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's mainly you know bodily movement, and so you know you can see like the the concern and and all these like little subtleties. So I like the little frog lady plot line. I thought it was kind of cute. Was horrified when when Baby Yoda was murdering all those little eggs. Um, and yeah, the ice spiders were cool. So I you know this episode was good too. I yeah. didn't weigh in, but uh, I I had no strong feelings about it either way, and I guess that makes me a horrible person. Um, obviously. <laughs> I mean, you don't like Mary Poppins, so you've already established that you're pretty awful. So Sure. It, it just kind of felt like a little tone deaf for me, and I don't want to make like a big deal about it or anything like that, but... It, like the joke was maybe funny once, but then like it, they kind of relied on it, it a lot. That episode. Yeah, it just right. felt like a little weird and, and out of place, and it... 
I, I would have been okay with it if like they circled around and made it like he spits out the egg at the end of the episode and like sure. puts it in the jar. But then the episode ends with him like eating another one yeah, after right. like already kind of been told that it's bad. Yeah, I get it. And they're I, in look, I get it. Like kids, kids are kids and they do crappy things, but they also like generally don't murder things. So, <laughs> um, like it, it was a little weird. And I think if they went back after and really thought about it, they probably wouldn't have done it now. Um, sure. But it, it was a little strange. I agree that like I actually liked the episode overall, with the exception of that. Right. But it, it did kind of demonstrate one problem, which is like there's just some things that they would set up in episodes, and mm-hmm. they would like. They only had like one more scene or delivered like one little like bow or wrapped it up in a particular way. It would be so much stronger where there's kind of a uh, analogy being made between the frog lady and her baby. And then obviously Mando and baby Yoda. Right. Like the mm-hmm. stuff some like parallels between them. But then the show doesn't really kind of like deliver that like all the way. And right. Really like flat out say it. And maybe it's being subtle and that's a good thing. But there's a part of me that kind of thinks that like they kind of just leave things dangling more than they should. And maybe some Uh of it's kind of addressed in the next episode a bit, but I felt like I would have liked a little bit more realization from like baby Yoda that like, yeah, eating these things is bad because it's kind of like how dad, uh, dead Mando protects me in a way or something. Mm, Just something to kind of tie it up thematically. Um, So you think the frog lady should have eaten baby Yoda as well? (laughs) Yeah. And then they're like, see, now you know how it feels. And then Mando Uh, (laughs) takes his finger and and goes, hey. Yeah. And then she just shrugs. Yep. And and then, then, right. And then he just flashes (laughs) the sunset. Anyway, it's just something that like kind of nags at me a little bit as the show goes on is it's like they have like good B episodes, but then like they could easily be brought up to an A if they just went a little bit further with the thematic content of it. That's fair. Um, so anyway, that goes takes us to the third episode. We get introduced in the third episode, basically. Uh, Mando lands on like a seafaring planet, uh, basically a port planet, and uh, runs into other Mandalorians who are part of the Death Watch. They have a little bit different philosophy in that episode. Uh, Katie Sackoff, who is a, was a main character of Starbuck in... Battlestar Galactica is um, kind of the leaders of the Death Watch. Her name's Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of have a different way of viewing things. They take off their helmets versus Mando's uh, group of people not taking off their helmets. Um, anyway, not, in my opinion, happens in this episode. It kind of also is the beginning of another trend that I began to become a little bit tired of, which is mando and friends go and assault an imperial something and they run down hallways and mow down people without resistance (laughs) um which kind of became like a default action beat uh throughout this series but um what did you guys think of this episode Uh, um it's fine um so bryce dallas howard directed this one and Someone pointed out on Twitter that she shot him crash landing on the moon. I liked the running gag, which we'll get to the ultimate payoff of the Razor Crest just getting beat to shit the whole right. season. <laughs> um, I really liked that. And so I really liked when he landed and just fell in the water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she shot that uh, crash the same way that her dad shot the Apollo 13 re-entering the atmosphere. Oh, how cool Like that. it's shot, it's shot for shot almost. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Which I thought was like a cute little nod. Yeah. Uh, and it's super cool that like, 
both the Howards have worked in Star Wars now, even if her dad, you know, kind of made a bad one. Um, <laughs> uh, I like uh. stuff like that. Uh, so uh, th this episode, though, started a trend for me that I was ultimately okay with, but it it was a little wobbly for me in this one, which is bringing in characters from the cartoons. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, yeah. Because I'm not familiar with them. Sure. And so when Katie Sackhoff showed up as Bo-Katan, I was like, ah, this is a big deal for not me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so it, it feels a little alienating. They uh, do a better job handling that as the show goes on, I think, as the season goes on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as some, and, and it, it kind of led into some of my bigger complaints of, that I had that, that, from season to season, actually. Some of my, a little bit of my worries from when we talked about season one we're a little confirmed confirmed mm -hmm. in this season, um, but that's for two episodes from now. Okay. Um, but this this season or this this episode in particular, um, I liked the kind of two episode arc with the frog lady because it's um, the first time that we've had uh, an episode arc like that where there's like sure. the side characters continue into the next episode, mm -hmm. and I liked that. I thought that was cool. Um, I thought it was cute that she babysat baby Yoda and like <laughs> he uh, he was like, oh, this is what the eggs are. <laughs> at the, at the, and when he was like, he had that moment with the little the 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 the, the baby frogs. Yeah. Um, I ate your siblings. <laughs> yeah. I own you. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I so okay. I I actually, I think I disagree with you on the MJ with the Bo-Katan stuff. So I, I've watched most of Clone Wars, but it's been a second. And as we were talking about, I think before we started recording, my memory has kind of gone to shit lately. <laughs> so I truly have to be rewatching something right before I talk about it to really remember. I didn't remember the Bo-Katan was part of Clone Wars. Mm. Um, and so for me, it just felt like an introduction of a new character. I didn't feel like I was kind of left out on anything that I needed to know more of. And I actually think, and this, well, I'll probably disagree on this, but I actually think that their introduction of characters and things from Clone Wars, um, I kind of like it. I, I didn't think it was done in a way where I felt like, oh, I don't really remember that. And I feel like that's now put me out and I'm now an outsider on this. Like, I felt like they kind of introduced them so that even if you hadn't really seen it, you could still accept it. Um, Bokutin's not my favorite character but you know she's kind of cool um and, and i agree the the whole like we just have them boarding some imperial ship and running down the hallways and shooting at, at people and things that's kind of what this episode felt like mm -hmm. uh but i do agree with you mj about the the frog lady arc it was really nice to see a character besides like you know uh car dune or whoever who's kind of carrying over with something from one episode to another to see that it's not everything is not just monster of the week and little sidekick of the week and, and random cute character of the week so that was kind of mm -hmm. nice yeah, um, I was someone who hasn't watched a lot of Clone Wars or Rebels, um, but I felt like the show did a fairly good job of introducing these characters to me. Like, I kind of immediately got what Bo-Katan was about, uh, so mm -hmm. it it didn't seem too off-putting. I think that we can get into this more uh, in a couple episodes, but uh, it it did kind of signal maybe a warning sign that this is just like uh, becoming cameo central in a way, mm -hmm. but... Um, I think that like for the most part, and if you're going to deal with a show about Mandalorians you, it, and this character still is alive, then you probably need to address this character at some point. And sure. so I, I think that Bo-Katan being involved is a natural extension of things. And it, it didn't bother me too much in this episode itself. Uh, kind of what I had maybe more problems with was 
the repetitive nature of how this episode went like mm -hmm. there's basically a scene where mando gets confronted by people on the ship that he's on mm -hmm. uh in the sea and then he gets saved by the other mandalorians and then he kind of like jets off because he doesn't want to hang out with them and <laughs> then the next episode the next scene he's on a dock and he gets surrounded and confronted by a bunch of bad guys and then the mandalorians once again come down and save his butt and then he hangs out with them it was like wait we just had like a scene of him being saved by these people like one scene ago <laughs> mm -hmm. it was like really repetitive and like some weird padding that was going on um so i don't think i don't want to like talk trash about bryce dallas howard but so far i think the episodes that she's directed um because she did one in season one i don't remember that one being particularly strong either mm -hmm. and uh i i just haven't liked her episodes yet i think some of it comes down to obviously maybe the script but then the direction she doesn't she doesn't have like a good flavor to her which kind of fits because ron howard doesn't have a flavor either uh <laughs> but um i was a little more ambivalent on this one uh so the fourth episode uh was kind of mando reuniting with um carl weathers character uh i think his name's grease and grief grief thank uh, you grief <laughs> and uh Cara Dune. Like this episode deals with uh Mando getting reunited with them. His ship, the Razor Crest, is getting fixed. Cause I also agree with you. I, it, it's a funny running joke that is falling apart over the course of the season, MJ. Uh and they kind of lead an assault on another Imperial base and kind of run through halls and kill a million people. But uh there's also like a little bit of a tank chase scene that happens at the end too. And uh it's setting up a couple of longer running mysteries like what why the empire wants baby yoda uh that they kind of discover inside this research facility what did you guys think of this episode this is my least favorite episode of the show interesting <laughs> i really didn't like it um <clears throat> someone did point out to me shout out robert mayo on paper it's a great episode of tv mm -hmm. um like we got to bust in and get the plans, you know, like that's right. great. Mm -hmm. I think the problem lied most in the direction of mm. Carl Weathers for right. me. Um, so he directed this episode and it was so bland to me. Mm. Like it was, it was so, <laughs> it, it, it almost felt like it was on rails the way they, he directed it. Like he was just yeah. there to make, very minor decisions while the crew just kind of did whatever they wanted and whatever they wanted to do was the least amount of effort possible mm. in all these set pieces and all these, it was just, it was very boring to watch to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I barely remember this episode. Like I'm I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the synopsis. I'm like listening to you describe it, Mike. And I, I do remember when we find out that they want um, baby Yoda's butt blood. Ooh, not right. blood. That was weird. Uh, <laughs> that's a different show. <laughs> Yikes. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway. Yeah. I mean, which is, you know, interesting. Cause we know there's such like a dearth of, supposedly such a dearth of, of Jedi at this point um, that creatures or people with Mandalorian counts would probably be very rare. So, I mean, that's interesting. It, it's interesting to think of the idea that scientists want to try to harvest that um, for their own nefarious purposes. But mm. apart from that, like I'm literally looking again at this, this synopsis and I'm like, I don't remember most of this except for that Karjun was back and now she's like a sheriff. And then, you know, Carl Weathers is back. Oh and, yeah. That part, um, 
So at the end of this episode, the 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 dad from Kim's Convenience shows up and is like, "Hey, you should uh, you should join the X-wing people." The, the and, New Republic. Yeah, the New Republic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll touch more on that later. Uh, <laughs> I had an issue with that, but I like that character. I like his. I like the dad from Kim's, Kim's Convenience character. It's just like I like the kind of stuff and i didn't mention this in the second episode of the season i like the um the sort of just like space cop thing that yeah, they're doing like, just, yeah there with like, the x-wing like, pilots yeah mm-hmm. there's just like a, not a lot for them to do anymore so they're like i don't know go issue citations and make sure everything's <laughs> up to go parking tickets fun stuff yeah um i i actually liked this episode uh i kind of thought it was um a high point after like not the high point of the whole season. I think the second half of the season was stronger than the first half, yeah. which is kind of why, kind of why we're just blowing through like synopses of these. But um, I enjoyed this Imperial base assault more possibly because there was more of a like underlying series long mystery of what they're trying to do with baby Yoda. That was kind of being answered. Uh, all, additionally, I did like the chase at the end. I thought that was some of the best special effects that they had done in the show so far. And while you know i think that call weather's live action direction was uh rather bland i felt like the chase itself was well shot probably because it wasn't really done by him it was done by sword sword, storyboard people at ilm Um, yeah yeah, but um it it was overall i thought like a good take on that kind of episode i feel like it kind of furthered the theme of the first one where it's a little bit of a retread of the first season but maybe in my opinion a little bit better because it was doing like an assault of the base but this time like there's a group of people that are a little more fleshed out by now because these characters are returning from the first season uh Uh i mean in general i guess i would kind of ask a question of what do you guys think about like them kind of bringing back old characters from the previous season and then bringing them into this one did like were you happy to see like the grief character or cara dune or are you ambivalent about seeing them like where are you in terms of them having like a longer running cast now appearing in these shows. I like it, but there's some stuff that, that I'm, I'm going to wait until we're done with chapter 16. Okay. Um, to talk about it. Cause I like having them back and I like seeing them back and I like them interacting with Mando. But there's mm-hmm. some stuff they do with them that I really didn't like, but it's a more overarching issue i have that'll make more sense once the whole season's talked about got it missy okay that's fair um i i like it as well um i think because and i know we've kind of touched on it one complaint is that things feel very monster of the week that Mm -hmm. having some type of recurring character um makes it feel a little more tied together and not just this is like an anthology of many episodes that happen to star the mandalorian and baby yoda um i like Cara dune a lot um i you know gina crono is not like the best actress in the world but i i really enjoy her character and then just on like a a slightly feminist front seeing some kind of representation of an actress um that looks like a lot of other women who's not like very very small which is nothing against you know smaller actresses but it's just it is really nice to see more athletically built women who are very Mm -hmm. muscular um I, when I see it, it reminds me when I watch the Olympics and I'm like, oh, I forget that like other women are built like me because I like have a more muscular build. Like I'm never going to be very long and lean and thin. And so I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool to see that other actresses, you know, can have 
different body types. So, you know, I kind of like that representation. Carl Weathers, you know, I, the fact that I don't, I rarely remember his character's name. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I, I can, I can, you know, do without him. I don't really care as much. And clearly, I don't think he's as good of a director. But uh, Cardoon is somebody who I do like. I think she's fun to watch. It's fun to watch her fight and kick ass because she's such a strong woman. Um, mm. And it doesn't seem performative. Like, uh, yeah. Like, you know well, I mean? she's, like with, yeah, she's a really good martial artist. Right. right. She's an MMA fighter. So, yeah, sure. she's, she's believable and convincing in that. Yeah. Like, it's better than watching some like wayfish, uh, hundred sure. pound like you know woman kick people's asses because I can actually believe that that Cara Dune can kick people's asses for Dude, example. She right. like a freaking linebacker. Oh my yeah. god! Right. Yeah. She looked and she looked bigger this season than she did she last did. season to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. It's like when they when they first cast um what's her Angelina Jolie as like Lara Croft, I was like she's literally like the tiniest little woman. I was like, why? Well, I'm I'm supposed to believe that she's like kicking ass and stuff, but then you see Cara Dune. I would be terrified if she was coming after <laughs> yeah. me because she could break my neck like nothing. Yeah, so I think I she has a lot of uh, presence, even yeah, if it's sure. not necessarily you know acting quality. But I think yeah. she makes up for it with her screen presence. I think she got better between seasons though too, and I think I that across the board. Like we'll we'll sure. talk about Bill Burr when we get to him, but he was better this season too. Yeah, well, I think in general the the side characters got step. They there were a definite step up in quality in terms of uh, maybe casting or acting in general. I think yeah. um, first season there were a lot of comedians, and I mean that's fine. I think comedians can act too, and uh, sometimes they're better dramatically than some even dramatic actors. But uh, mm-hmm. just the Amy Sedaris, I know she was in this season too, but it was like they had a lot of those types of people in yeah. last season. Yeah. And, it was kind of like off-putting and weird. And so I felt like this mm. one, there's more of an attention toward uh, having actual actors uh, who like are not like treating this like a parody like Amy Sedaris was. Um, right. And I mean, even Timothy Oliphant, you know, is like uh, somebody who has a little bit of credibility to a show. And so yeah. I think there was more of an attempt at that. And I liked them kind of fleshing out the, the Cara Dune and uh, grief uh, a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing them kind of transition to being protectors instead of just uh, straight up bounty hunters was right. interesting. I, I like them kind of developing those people over the course of the show and maybe like they're softening up in a way or losing some of their uh, grizzled edge. They're trying to become more protectors of people. I think that that's kind of a nice running theme that they've been developing throughout the show. And I like seeing them. It's like seeing a warm, familiar face. And it yeah. also kind of demonstrates to me that um, – they're still experimenting. They're kind of figuring out like the right combination of people. I kind of feel like the last episode this season uh, kind of is like them figuring out combinations of people again. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll touch on that with a little in a little bit. Uh, that brings us kind of also to the fifth episode of the season, which uh, is what I consider to be like the first real big episode of the season. Uh, yeah. Kind of the turning point of things in a way, especially with the baby Yoda storyline. Uh, Nando and uh, the child go and land on some, kind of like Japanese feudal kind of planet, which I thought was mm-hmm. super sweet and like a boggy uh, swamp type place. And mm-hmm. uh, they encounter Ahsoka, who is um, a character from Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, <laughs> this is, sounds ridiculous, but was Anakin's a princess between episode two and three, um, who he never manages to mention in those movies. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, he was a character that was initially kind of divisive among the fan base, but uh, mm-hmm. over the course of several seasons of that show and then later appeared in Rebels, um, people really do like her. She's got a decent-sized fan base now. 
Um, yeah. Know, my understanding is from the episodes that I've seen, she seems to be like pretty well fleshed out now. And uh, she kind of um, fell away from the Jedi. She's not like dark side, but she's kind of mm-hmm. not quite a Jedi anymore either. But she's right. on this planet uh, and uh, Mando is basically trying to go and give her uh, baby Yoda. But uh, she doesn't really want to uh, because she's not really into the Jedi thing anymore. Um, she's more interested in dealing with this uh, person. I think it, her name's like not the administrator, but it's something like that. Who's kind uh, of magistrate. The, the magistrate. Yeah, the kind of the warlord yeah. of um, that area. And she's kind of interested in finding some other inform- information, which I assume will tie into um, a spinoff series, which we can also talk about the fact that a lot of characters are seemingly introduced this season to uh, be set up to uh, set up in other spinoffs. What did you guys think of this episode? Dope. Yeah. I really like this episode. <laughs> yeah. um, I like this episode yeah. a lot. Uh, so this is was an episode that actually alleviated my fears that Bo-Katan gave me, mm-hmm. which is I don't really know anything about Ahsoka sure. besides she exists. And I saw the Clone Wars mm-hmm. movie and oh. that's all. Yeah. Um, and I have a mini for her for Imperial Assault, the board game. Um, Fun. Yep, and she remains unpainted because I don't want to paint those stripes on her <laughs> hair. Um, but I thought it was super cool as far as like seeing that. It was cool to like, obviously I don't have the nostalgia for the character that a lot of people have, but it did feel like a big deal, but not in a way that like was alienating the way Bo-Katan showing up felt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt like they gave her proper... Uh, 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 introductions to new people um i think part of that has to do with feloni was basically in charge of this episode right and that's right. kind of his pet character and mm-hmm. um i thought rosario rosario dawson was good we got a lot of cool lore yeah. with um grogu and his backstory the beskar spear was introduced mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know a lot of important stuff but i think most importantly hells yeah Michael Bean was in this episode, and I freaking <laughs> love Michael Bean. I was so excited when he showed up. I don't care that he's aging like a leather suitcase. <laughs> yeah, and, and for those in like our audience who don't know who Michael Bean is, he was Kyle Reese in uh, the Terminator first two movies. I mean, he, he shows up in a flashback in the, the second movie, so I consider him also to be in the second movie. Yeah. Um, he's and, Johnny Rico uh, in Tombstone. Yeah, and he was also in Aliens. So yeah. mm-hmm. uh, he's pretty prolific 80s sure. actor, especially action kind of movie mm-hmm. person. And I like seeing him quite a bit too. It was nice to see him as kind of a, another bounty hunter um, or yeah. a guy who was kind of serving the administrator or whatever her face was <laughs> magistrate <laughs> yes yeah sure whatever uh missy what did you think of the episode i also really enjoyed it um so i was somebody i did not like ahsoka when i first saw her i and for the same reason i don't like child actors i don't mm. find precociousness cute i don't think it's funny um it's like yeah. i'm just like i'm truly the, at my most cynical when someone's like, look at this child who's too smart for its own good and is very precocious. And I'm like, fuck that kid. Like, I don't, I don't like it. And that's, that's how Ahsoka felt. I was like, why is she so precocious? And, but then as the series goes on, kind of like you were saying, Michael, like she becomes much less enamored with the Jedi order as she starts to see a lot of the hypocrisy within it, which I think is very fair. Um, Cause I think, I mean, if you take, we, we get such a small amount um, of the the history of, like, the Jedi and the Sith within the original trilogy, and even within the expanded ones that we see since, you know, the newest trilogy was truly just a recycling of 
uh, of the original <laughs> minus the fact that we burned all of the history because you know canon doesn't matter uh, right. but like when you do delve deeper into the universe it's you know there there are a lot of issues with the jedi order something that we've always been told is just strictly light but it's like there's there's a lot of issues there uh for the same reasons when people try to make analogies of star wars to christianity it's like well you can't say that the light side is you know christianity because there's no grace there's mm. no you know everything is very strictly black and white and that's not how everything is all the time so all of that to say sorry i know i'm delving into uh, no, religion again but <laughs> um yeah, Ahsoka, I, I really liked her as the series went on because she was somebody who I think was a little more in tune with, I think, a lot of viewers, which is kind of like, this is kind of bullshit. Like, I, mm -hmm. I don't, I, well, and apart from the fact that she was involved in some, you know, um, of her own issues with, like, Darth Maul, who, spoiler alert, comes back within Clone Wars um, and all that stuff. Uh, so I, I ended up liking her a lot in the series. I was very excited how they, you know, presented her in this. I fully agree mj i think that if i hadn't seen clone wars i still would have thought she's a kick-ass character um rosario dawson i think gave enough like kind of gravitas to her that i i would assume given her projected character arc as we last saw her that this probably would have been how she is she's a lot more tempered she's definitely not the precocious youngster we first saw she seems like someone who's gone through the shit that she has which is essentially having to leave an entire order that she was raised in as a child um, having seen her master obviously turn into, you know, one of the most evil Sith Lords in the galaxy and all that stuff. So uh, I really liked the introduction of Ahsoka. I liked um, Rosario Dawson. Um, yeah, I, I really liked this episode a lot. Yeah, I thought it was uh, definitely the high point of the season. I kind of turned things around after I was feeling a little um, middling about it. I, I was enjoying it, but um, this was like, okay, now I see the kind of the direction that things are going in. Uh, and I really enjoyed Rosario Dawson also. Um, mm -hmm. She did a great job. I could mm -hmm. really tell that Dave Filani cared about doing, you know, his character justice. And that's mm -hmm. the reason why he took control of this episode. Uh, just additionally, it looked really good. It was like a really oh, yeah. unique looking environment for a Star Wars, uh, not movie, episode, anything. Sure. Uh, and, and so cinematographically, I thought it looked really nice. You know, maybe some of... Filani's live action direction isn't like up to par with his uh, cartoon, but I think that he in general improved a lot from last season. He directed yeah. um, the Tatooine episode last season to this one. Uh, he, he felt like he was more in command of um, how to go in stage action and uh, environments. And it, it's crazy watching uh, Missy, you and I watched the volume documentary stuff yeah. where they talked about how they set up this, the scenes and then know that all that was done in the volume, which is kind mm -hmm. of the, uh, not quite CG, but like the big screen that they have behind right. them that like yeah. circles around the 360 degrees to know that like that was all done within that space is mm -hmm. crazy to me. Yeah. Well, and the influences from like Kurosawa and stuff too, that he mm -hmm. tried to bring in with this kind of Japanese feel. It was just very, um, it was very well done. And I agree, like a big step up from what he did in uh, season one, even though I think Dave Filoni is one of the best things that's happened to the Star Wars universe. I think him as a director and writer, I think this was a big step up for him. Yeah. And uh, I get, actually, I'm glad that you spoke about uh, the samurai influences. I really dug that. I mean, yeah, I love totally. samurai cinema and it, Star Wars has obviously always been influenced by samurai mm -hmm. flicks. Uh, we had uh, basically the first movie is Hidden Fortress, uh, which is a Kurosawa flick that's just been adapted for space. And <laughs> ever since then, there's been all kinds of little influences there from the Jedi themselves. 
to uh, uh well anything basically uh, involving sure. the lightsaber so uh basically seeing that be depicted in this way was kind of cool it was definitely something that i enjoyed mm -hmm. and i think overall it demonstrated that star wars can have different things in it other than the same regurgitated uh environments and uh, like locations that mm -hmm. maybe the new trilogy did the new trilogy just i mean they literally just made a tattooing 2.0 in one episode mm -hmm. and then they made a tattooing like 3.0 in another episode <laughs> and it's like, but this time it's it's got uh like a burning man or something you know and it was just like <laughs> what the crap why, why did i see like this thing in a tv show and i'm not using a tv show pejoratively but it's just why am i seeing this in a tv show when like man this would have been a cool environment to see in a film or something sure. like that too mm -hmm. well because uh, presumably the budgets are very different too so it's like you yeah. had so much more to work with and why are they doing this on such a like smaller scale and able to do it so much better than you were Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I mean, another thing that oh, this episode brings up, and we've touched on it a little bit, is the fact that they're bringing in a lot more expanded universe characters mm -hmm. into this. Uh, I personally felt like this time, uh, Ahsoka makes sense because once again, she's a character who's kind of alive and relevant to the Jedi. And mm -hmm. that's definitely a key element of the show is finding the Jedi that Grogu can go to. So I think that she fit in fairly well to this episode. And mm -hmm. she she made a lot of sense also in rejecting the Yoda because she's no longer really a Jedi. What yeah. did you guys think about like just the idea of slowly incorporating more and more Clone Wars characters into the show? I know MJ, you kind of said that you made, you were more cool with it, but um, like, did you enjoy, did you enjoy like having a separate character be introduced in this way? Or would you have preferred if it had been done differently or her not be included at all? No, I mean, so originally I said, you know, that in our in our first season episode, I said that I don't want any Jedi in this mm. in this show. <laughs> um, that still holds a little bit true. Like, I don't know if I would have preferred it necessarily without her. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, if I, I also have to take the show for what it is, not what I want it to be as well. Mm -hmm. And so if they're going to do this with this character, I think they did it the best they could. Rosario Dawson was great. Um, she clearly respects the role and is she's really good in it and clearly wants to be there, which is like something that you always kind of are rolling the dice with. I feel like when mm -hmm. you cast like a big name in a TV show, especially yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I think she, she gave the character a lot of like respect and I actually didn't know any of that kind of backstory of her issues with the Jedi. And that makes her really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I I liked it. I thought it was a cool way to do it. Um, you know, they name dropped Thrawn in this episode, right? Is a, right. the episode they did. Mm -hmm. um, I, sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a lot of nostalgia for that character either. I don't, you know, I know they kind of blew up the, the expanded universe and are kind of picking and choosing who they're taking from that. And right. uh, I know people love him and I know people want to see him. I have no strong feelings about that either way. Um, and it sounds like he's probably going to be less of a Mando villain and maybe something that plays into Ahsoka's TV show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, once again, we'll talk about all the TV, all the expanded stuff after. Yeah, because, I mean, this episode is definitely the beginning of uh, what I would say is the backdoor pilot uh, type stuff in uh -huh. that occurred this season. Uh, 
and I'll leave that for the end. Uh, but there's definitely some some hints in the following episodes that are basically, oh yeah, these characters are really just being introduced to go and lead to their own spinoff series. Uh, personally, I felt like in her case, Ahsoka's case, it fit in with the episode, so I was okay with it. Um, mm-hmm. But I can see how other minds might differ on other things. Uh, that kind of brings us to the next episode, though, um, which was the episode that Boba Fett came back. And he, Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Boba Fett is a character who I personally have a somewhat complicated feeling on, which is that I don't think that he's that cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> up until up until uh, this, this show, episode. basically. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't really get what was so great about him. He looks uh, dope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, Let's always had a great uh, appearance and aesthetic about him. Sure. So what do you guys, first of all, let's start with that. What do you guys think about Boba Fett? I'm in the same boat as you. He's lame as hell, but he looks awesome. <laughs> Missy? I, I, okay, I I get the mystique and how cool it was. He was so like silent all the time, and he had just the coolest looking armor, a really like sick-ass looking ship. Mm. truly one of the stupidest deaths in the entire series of star wars <laughs> with that like generic ass like ah, sound when he like falls into the starlight pit and it's just like <laughs> like all right well that just kind of like took down your cool points by like a thousand um yeah i think he was very much redeemed in this series but i, I get the appeal it's like i don't mm-hmm. know it, it's kind of like the, the clint eastwood like man with an anything like that the kind of silent like brooding you're kind of creepy like a bounty hunter that's that's cool um and then just with really cool armor so i don't know i I, I liked him. I didn't love him. I wasn't somebody that was like clamoring to get uh, a bunch of Boba Fett paraphernalia. But I also, again, because I was a big fan of the Old Republic, mm-hmm. I really liked the Mandalorian lore. And yeah. w- this was before I knew that Boba Fett was not really a Mandalorian, that he had just, you know, obviously that Django had taken that armor. Uh, mm-hmm. But so the, the whole mystique behind it also kind of that, I think, fueled more of my interest in Boba Fett and uh, thinking that he was a pretty cool character. Yeah, uh, I agree with both of you on that. And I have to say this episode turned me around quite a bit on him, but uh, just to kind of mm-hmm. lay the the foundation for it. Uh, basically, this episode involves Mando taking uh, Grogu to a scene stone type thing to, so he can go and communicate with some Jedis or something like that. And while that's happening, Boba Fett comes and he wants his armor back, basically. And then stormtroopers arrive and complications arise from that and so the big key point about this episode is definitely the return of boba i think that he's a character once again we're setting up kind of another backdoor pilot thing with him but he's another character that fits in with well we're dealing with mandalorians and why not kind of deal with the biggest mandalorian that people are most familiar with in some ways uh boba fett and in a lot of ways this goes toward um redeeming him in my eyes making him cool Robert Rodriguez directed the episode. What did you guys think of Robert Re- Rodriguez's direction? So this might be my favorite episode of Mandalorian. Wow. I really liked this episode a lot. Um, so Tamara Morrison shows up at the end of the first episode in this season. Mm-hmm. And I, I had kind of, so when it's funny that you said that Missy about, Oliphant looking just kind of like lanky and weird in the in the armor. I didn't think it was Boba Fett's armor when he first walked in because of how different it wore, like it hung off of him. And right. didn't didn't even re, like didn't believe it until it showed him getting it in the sand crawler from the Jawas. 
And so when he turned around at the at the end, I didn't know it was so we we got a late start on this up on this season. And so the day before this episode came out was the day we started the season. Hmm. And I was really glad that I didn't get spoiled that Boba Fett was in this episode because I hopped on Twitter the next morning and everyone was talking about the Boba Fett episode. <laughs> yeah. And so we had seen it the night before and I was just like, I couldn't, I was like, is that? Cause it looks like, but are they really gonna? And uh, <laughs> so I looked it up and it said that it was Tamara Morrison. And I was like, well, I mean, there's only one person that guy could be playing. And uh, so I thought that was super cool. But then when this episode happened, I just thought, I thought it was so like lean, mean and down and dirty. And I loved mm. it. Like he, it was just so badass for 30. It's only a 30 minute episode. Yeah. And, it's real short. Yeah. And it's basically just like one big action sequence. And it's, I think it's kind of cool, man. Like uh, it also has one of my favorite Mando jokes in it. Uh, a couple of my favorite Mando jokes. <laughs> one, when Finnick tells him he looks like he saw a ghost. <laughs> uh, I thought that was hilarious because she just goes, "You look like you've seen a ghost," and he just cuts back to him in his armor, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just standing there. Um, so I thought that was great, and then I laughed really hard when the Razor Crest just got blown up, like completely yeah. unceremoniously. <laughs> yeah, R.I.P. I really liked that ship too. I liked the dope. design of it. Yeah, yeah, it was cool, but it, it did make me laugh a lot. But yeah, I really, really liked this episode a lot. Like, I, I was, I, you know, I don't expect a lot out of Robert Rodriguez. I've liked some of his movies, and I haven't liked others of his. But, uh, I, yeah, it was. I thought it was so cool, man. Missy. Um. No, I agree. This it might be my favorite of the series. Uh, probably my favorite of the season. Um. Hmm. It was just, it was really good. For me, it felt a lot like Rogue One, where it's like, finally, we're seeing why this character is, like, feared. Because, like, Darth Vader is so, like, freaking clunky anytime he fights in the original trilogy, because he's, you know, like, and and that's fair, because, like, it's an older movie. They didn't really know what they were doing with everything. Like, I mean, the new hope battles are, are, like, awful. (laughs) So, like, seeing him at the end of Rogue One, I was like, this is so badass. Like, this is why he's such a feared Sith Lord. He's, like, he's very frightening. And so that's what it felt like for this, where it's like, we have this character who we've been told is very, like, tough and scary, but we've never actually seen anything to, like, confirm or deny that. So I, he was a really, oh, my gosh, it was so cool to watch. And then, again, watching the the documentary, um, so, oh, my gosh, what is the actor's name? Uh, Tamir Morrison. Morrison. Yeah, how he, like, they let him bring in some of his Maori influences for the way that he fought, which was super mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, he's um, super into it in the documentary. Yeah. You can tell. Oh my gosh, even with like the tongue out stuff and like wow, all that like really. Oh my gosh, it's so I, I appreciate that when you can like bring your your culture into it, especially because the Maori are also very frightening, you know, warriors. So that was super cool. Um, I laughed out loud every time that Mando kept trying to get Baby Yoda out of that little shield and he kept coming <laughs> back. And I was like, <laughs> at one point, I was like, how many times do we have to watch him continue <laughs> to try to throw himself at this force field and just get like his ass kicked? Um, <laughs> Also, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but I refuse to call him Grogu. Like, that's not his name. I will never say <laughs> yeah, that again. Yeah, yeah. He's only yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, But no, apart from that, I thought the, the battle scenes were super cool. Um, again, I was very excited to see Boba Fett used in a really cool way uh, and all of that, that fun stuff. So I really liked it a lot. I am actually going to be a little bit of an outlier. I, I liked the episode, oh. but um, 
I, I don't think that I click with Robert Rodriguez's direction in general. He's kind of sure. like got a guerrilla filmmaking type style, like very kind of a mercenary, like, like free cam, handy cam type yeah. thing going on. And like, he's always kind of been a low budget ish director, even when he has big budgets to work with. And uh, that can work for certain, some things. I thought that this episode was kind of shot like crap in some ways. Uh, it basically takes place on planet Los Angeles uh, hills. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> like you can see like a layer of smog kind of in the background yeah. from L.A. in some shots. And so uh, it took me out of it a little bit. It felt like the least Star Wars-y place like that they've been to, more like a a Star Trek episode where they would go to an alien planet and it's literally just like the LA national forest or something uh, like mountains or something over there. So that took me out of it a little bit. So how can I say this? Despite that though, watching the documentary made me like it more. Cause I felt like, you know what? Robert Rodriguez was having like a really good time making this. <laughs> and maybe that doesn't like excuse why I felt like we're like some technical missteps. Uh, but I, I enjoyed the episode more in retrospect and then in the context of the rest of the season, because Boba stuck around for some episodes afterwards. Yes. And I felt like if it had just been a standalone episode with him, it probably wouldn't have made much of an impact, but something I think that they did well uh, with this season is yes, they went and kind of narrowed um, the world a little bit. There's a lot of drawing from other things uh, and referencing other characters rather than maybe making their own. It, it did Boba justice in a way that Missy, what you were saying is, is like, this is kind of the Boba Fett that was in our heads, but not really depicted on scene. Kind of the way that Darth Vader in Rogue One was the Darth Vader in our heads, but not really depicted on right. screen. And I mean, that's one thing that I think if they're going to revisit old characters, that is a good way to do it, which is with kind of some of the modern technology we have available, some of the stunt work that we do, that's slightly better than they did in the seventies and eighties. And so mm -hmm. kind of updating these characters images uh, and still being able to rely on some of the original actors themselves, like Tamara Morrison. I think he was really great in attack of the clones. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah. I think he's underrated actually. Uh, he's great. I, love I agree. Yeah. He's no, just, he's, he's great. He's got like a great presence about him and I liked mm -hmm. seeing him kind of like scarred and messed up, but mm -hmm. he's still kind of the same person. Um, even though he's a clone of the other person. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The thing is, <laughs> is that like, it, it was cool to see him back and see him interact with Mando. Uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I'll just kind of uh, send this out to you guys, but one of, I think the reasons why I think Mando was good originally was they decided not to go and make a Boba Fett show. They decided to go and do their own character <laughs> yeah. and maybe take some of the best, the best things that people like about Boba, but afraid, away from all the baggage of Boba. Um, Sure. And especially like his lame death, for example. Mm -hmm. And that I kind of stuck by that. But I have to say that this show actually went and redeemed him and showed that maybe you could have just had a Boba show and it would have been okay. Uh, what do you guys think sure. about like that idea? Do you think that maybe we it was good that we start off with a Mando thing and now they're obviously going to do a Boba thing? Or um, was it should could they have just gone and done a Boba thing from the start? Um, I think one uh to address your your thing about robert Rodriguez and his direction mm. what i loved about it is it just kind of felt like 
13-year-old Robert Rodriguez smashing his <laughs> Star Wars action figures together. Actually, it's funny you bring that up because he actually yes. talked about how he basically storyboarded the scene with his children using the action figures and using nope. his kids. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. It was super cute. <laughs> that's great. Um, and uh, I have a soft spot for that. Like, I think that's why I love Godzilla King of the Monsters as much as I do. Like, it feels mm-hmm. like someone who's grown up loving the, that character, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Mike Doherty who made that one so like Mike Doherty made that movie and it just feels like he had all the characters as a kid and like smashed them together and was like okay now I get to do it for real and uh, I think the the fight scenes in that movie are super cool because it feels like it's coming from a place where it's like okay what would I have wanted to like it feels like a point of view Mm. and I, I like that I like when something feels like a point of view so this feels like Robert Rodriguez's point of view of like what would I want to see Boba mm-hmm. Fett do. Right. And so yeah. he made him do that. And I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as far as the Boba Fett stuff, uh, what I really appreciated about this is it doesn't become the Boba Fett show. And it mm-hmm. it could have mm-hmm. in an instant. Like it was, sure. they were, you can tell they were meticulous about making sure that this was not centered on Boba Fett for the next three episodes. Even mm-hmm. though he's there, right he is very much a support character and Mm -hmm. the character himself goes out of his way to make sure he's supporting the ultimate mission, which is uh, now going to find Grogu. Right. Um, And so I really appreciated that they did that. Um, And my thoughts on a Boba Fett show, we, I will once again, wait until we talk about the Boba Fett show. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) What do you think about the, the idea of like starting off with a Mando show and making him his own character, but also introducing Boba Fett in, in it. I, I really like the way that they did it. Um, I think that we are currently in a culture where instant gratification is uh, that kind of idea is fed into far too often where it's like, Oh, you like this? Let's do a remake of it or let's do a sequel of it right now. And it's, I think we, I like the idea of us having to be patient because Boba Fett is a fun character. I wouldn't have liked if we had had a series for him right off the bat. Mm. I like that we were able to see something else, see that something good can be done with Star Wars because I think the majority of fans, whether you're on the side of Last Jedi was great or Last Jedi was bad or like we all think Rise of Skywalker was bad uh, or wherever you lie with that, I think the majority of fans were so disappointed with the latest Skywalker trilogy uh, and, and I would argue a lot of people weren't super excited about Solo. Um, Rogue, no. I mean, yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I think Rogue One was incredible, but I, I know Star Wars fans that don't like it. So mm-hmm. um, I think we really kind of needed something to to reinvest our hope that something good could be done with this. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the fact that even within the first season, I think we got a lot of hints of, of things that are within the universe. And we're like, okay, you know, they're touching on this stuff and we're seeing that they can kind of do that well. And then this season, especially like leading up to really getting this Boba Fett episode, it's like, all right, we're seeing that they can incorporate other people who we love and care about. And they're doing that well without it being too stupid. Yeah. Uh, so I think this was the perfect introduction for him uh, to the point that now that, you know, like I'm just said, like, we're going to talk about that later. The fact right. that I know that they're going to do one. I'm not as upset. I'm actually a little excited. Um, if it's the same team for it, I'm a mm. little excited about that because they've shown that they can do good things with it. Um, hopefully, and you know, we, we see Boba Fett in a couple other episodes, but it's like, 
hopefully this isn't just like a, a one hit wonder for him and he's not going to be a completely shitty character, but I like, uh, what's her name? Finnick, you know, she's yeah. kind of fun too, to watch. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm intrigued, uh, and curious and not totally hopeless. Like I was going into most of the films for the newest trilogy. Uh, so yeah, I think the way they did it was really good. I like it. All right. I'll wrap up the first part of our discussion on the Mandalorian. Look forward to the next episode where we talk about the last two episodes as well as our final thoughts on the season as a whole.